Okay. So I titled this teaching or talk, um, Forgiveness, the Misunderstood Superpower, because uh, forgiveness is something we all are aware of, certainly, but it's, it's often daunting to practice. And um, sometimes we wonder why, why would we even want to practice it? You know, if somebody has betrayed us or hurt us badly, why would we want to forgive? And so I want to talk about that tonight. I'm going to begin with a quote. But it's missing. Fooey. So oh, I'm going to just check one more spot. Here it is. Okay, this quote comes from Desmond Tutu, um, Archbishop, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who is an anti-apartheid human rights activist. I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, know who he is. Passed away recently. Um, he was the chair of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa during the time of apartheid. This is a quote from Desmond Tutu. I think back to my time as chair of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission in South Africa, a hearing that will forever be imprinted on my memory was an investigation into the shooting of unarmed demonstrators by members of the armed forces. The hall in which the hearing took place was packed to the rafters with a crowd who were justifiably angry. The tension was palpable. Four soldiers entered and their commanding officer admitted delivering the instruction to open fire. He turned to the crowd and asked, please forgive me. The crowd then did something that none of us could have predicted. They broke into wild applause. When the applause subsided, I turned to my fellow members of the commission and said, let us be quiet, for we are in the presence of something truly holy. Forgiveness is never easy or cheap. It isn't something you can demand of others. Forgiveness is a deeply personal journey to reconnect with the whole of humanity around you and therefore reconnect with yourself. It is essential because it reveals how we are inextricably bound to each other. As I have said before, there is no future without forgiveness. So before I begin, you know, discussing this further, I want to just right here at the beginning, take a moment with you and invite us all to reflect. Where are you now with this whole question of forgiveness? What does forgiveness mean to you right now? Are there things you wish to be forgiven for? 
experiences in your life you have not forgiven? Ways you've been toward yourself that need forgiving. What are your beliefs about forgiveness? Does forgiveness seem inaccessible or impossible? Pali is an ancient North Indian language said to be spoken during the time of the Buddha, and it's the language that the earliest Buddhist texts were written in. The Pali word for forgiveness is kanti, which is the same word that we translate into English as patience. There's a relationship between forgiveness and patience. The Buddha taught that kanti, this notion of forgiveness or patience, is the supreme virtue. And there are many virtues, but kanti or forgiveness is the supreme virtue. And Mother Teresa spoke of forgiveness as the highest form of love. Buddhist teacher Christina Feldman teaches that compassion is the root of both forgiveness and patience. And the Buddha taught that compassion is essential for freedom. So compassion births both forgiveness and patience, among other things. And we need to cultivate compassion, both self-compassion and compassion for others and for the world as part of our journey towards deepening in well-being and ease. I have been, you know, intrigued by forgiveness and patience both for a long time. I noticed how, with patience, I noticed how when I when I lacked it, that there was some distress in my own system as well as whoever I wasn't being patient with. And then sim same with forgiveness. When I'm not able to forgive, I'm carrying a certain kind of a burden. So some years ago, I spent some time studying both uh, the work of Desmond Tutu and his daughter Mafo Tutu, who got a PhD in forgiveness. And I also studied the work of um, Fred Luskin, who is the founder of the Stanford Forgiveness Project. And so what I'm gonna offer you tonight is a combination of their work, as I understand it, 
some Buddhist teaching, and also um, Jack Kornfield has some beautiful teachings on forgiveness, talks about the 12 points of forgiveness. So it's a combination from studying all of those things and teaching and practicing with forgiveness for a number of years. So uh, as you think about forgiveness, we did that very brief reflection just there. Um, what stops you and from forgiving yourself, others, whatever? And if I was, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to type in the chat uh, what your concerns are about forgiveness. What are your misgivings? What are your uh, doubts around forgiveness? And as people type, I'll just read them aloud. It's not possible. Yeah. That the perpetrator will continue to hurt others. Right, a lack of justice, continuing to create harm. I find it hardest to forgive myself. Feels like I'm letting myself off the hook. Got it. I was hurt by that person and I don't want them to get away with it. Yeah. If I forgive, I'm not protecting myself, right? That the perpetrator will not understand how much he hurt and betrayed. Yeah. Yeah can see with these kinds of concerns we we want to protect ourselves we want to protect others we don't want to be a doormat we don't want to be a fool being able to let go is difficult opening up at to the unknown on the other side of forgiveness right like what's there we don't even know and talking about self-forgiveness also challenging Yeah, so these are legitimate concerns and unless we address them, I don't, we, you know, these are the protectors at the gate of our tender hearts and unless we thank them and address them, we're not going to get anywhere with forgiveness. So I really appreciate those of you who typed in. Thank you so much. And I know you're speaking for many of us here. So thank you. So part of the issue with forgiveness is um, what we believe about it, what we think it is, what we've learned, what it is. <laughs> and this list that I'm going to share with you now comes from Debs Tutu, and 
his 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 list of what forgiveness is not based on his own life experience and his own study of the topic forgiveness is not weakness it requires courage and strength mahatma gandhi said the weak can never forgive forgiveness is the attribute of the strong takes courage. Forgiveness is not a subversion of justice. People still live with the consequences of their actions. We still keep our boundaries. And it is possible to completely forgive while still staying physically and emotionally safe. Forgiveness doesn't mean necessarily that we're re-entering a relationship. And it certainly doesn't mean that we're not doing all that we can to take down tyrants. It's, it's not impeding justice. Forgiveness is not forgetting. In fact, to effectively forgive, we need to have a fearless remembering and feeling the feelings, feeling the emotions that go with the hurt or the betrayal or the loss. So that old adage, forgive and forget, and it's not how it works. It's remember and forgive actually is how it works. One of the functions of non-forgiveness is trying to bypass hurt by going to hate. We don't want, hate is a hard stance that can keep us free from feeling the feelings. Uh, James Baldwin said, I imagine that one of the reasons people cling to their hate so stubbornly is because they sense once hate is gone, they will be forced to deal with pain. And forgiveness is not easy or quick. It requires hard work, consistent willingness, and usually several journeys through the process of grief and remembering. Again, it's a process. And I wanted to address the chat came in. What if you don't want to remember or feel the feelings again? Yeah, that's completely understandable. I think we have to honor where we are. And very often, um, what we need more than anything else is a lot of kindness and tenderness and compassion. Forgiveness is can be a very potent tool and i'll explain more about that now about what it is and why it's helpful and there are there's some territories that we don't want to retread and we may not have to if we've already felt the feelings and told the story we may not have to or it may be just the appropriate tool for the for the place our heart is in is just a lot of tenderness and that's completely fine
So those are some things about what forgiveness isn't. So what is it? Both Fred Luskin and Desmond Tutu describe uh, the experience of forgiveness as the experience of peace. That peace, inner peace, and being in a genuine state of forgiveness are synonymous. Forgiveness is peace. So this is a quote from Fred Luskin. Forgiveness is the experience of peacefulness in the present moment. Forgiveness is understanding that hurt is a normal part of life. Forgiveness is for you and no one else. You can forgive and rejoin a relationship or forgive and never speak to that person again. The most important benefit of forgiveness is our assertion that we are not victims of the past. So forgiveness is peace. It's also a strategy. When we are hurt and we will be hurt, we've all been hurt and we'll be hurt again because that's part of the territory of being a living being. When we're hurt, we have different possible strategies for handling it. One strategy is to go to hate, retaliation, um, rage, non-forgiveness, shutdown. It's a strategy for dealing with it. And the issue with that is that it doesn't heal us. It keeps us in sort of there, a sort of there's a the, the, the tension of resentment is still within us when we take that route. Another route and again, it takes strength and courage, but is to deliberately choose to walk a path of forgiveness. And in a little bit, I'll offer that this four-step process for if you wish to experiment with that and begin to choose that more, or you have already been doing it, you'll recognize yourself here. Um, so forgiveness is a strategy given the inevitability of hurt, we, we have the opportunity to make a choice about how we respond. So why forgive? Why would we do that? Why would we choose that strategy? So this is, um, a little bit about the science of forgiveness, which has been studied at length. In careful scientific studies, forgiveness has been shown to reduce depression, increase hopefulness, decrease anger, improve spiritual connection, and increase self-confidence. Research also shows that people who are more forgiving report fewer health and mental problems and fewer physical symptoms of stress. So this, is, this relates to 
you know, what I said earlier about forgiveness is born out of compassion and the Buddha taught that compassion is necessary for freedom. This science bears out what the science has been bearing out about all these other beautiful energies we practice, mindfulness, compassion, gratitude. They all lead to every uh, measurable sign of well-being and forgiveness is included in that. Failure to forgive increases risk for heart disease, high blood pressure, anxiety, insomnia, ulcers, migraines, backaches, and even cancer. Genuine forgiveness lessens the stress that can contribute to or exacerbate these conditions. So just for the sake of ourselves, you know, we practice, it's like wise wise self-care desmond tutu forgiveness is the highest form of self-interest i need to forgive so my own anger and resentment does not corrode my own being and he also says retaliation doesn't work know that what was done to you was wrong unfair and undeserved you are right to be outraged. And it's perfectly normal to want to hurt back when you've been hurt. But hurting back rarely satisfies. We think it will, but it doesn't. If I slap you after you slap me, it does not lessen the sting I feel on my own face, nor does it diminish my sadness that you've slapped me. Retaliation gives at best only momentary respite from our pain. And I would say adds to our pain. The Buddha taught about uh, the first arrow, two arrows. The first arrow of life is the inevitable pain that we are going to experience while we're here. And the second arrow we add. And in my experience, and you can just check and see if this rings true for you, when I go to retaliation, rage, reactivity, not only am I, you know, creating distress in the outer field, but I create greater inner distress, not less. There's a quote I found, this is an anonymous quote that I found on the internet. It's that I thought was really wise, said, forgiveness towards another says, I love myself more than I dislike your actions towards me. Forgiveness towards another says, I love myself more than I dislike your actions towards me. Like I am going to heal this inner distress. And the way to do that is to let go of the hate. Again, not letting go of boundaries, not letting go of clear discernment, not letting go of compassionate action. All that stays intact. But I'm not going to carry the hate. Because of what it does to me. 
So the main, I think that the main problem with forgiveness is that no one shows us how. And so what both of these amazing beings have done is they've created methods. And I'll be just the tip of the iceberg tonight because this is just a brief talk. But if this issue speaks to you, both of these amazing teachers have incredible processes beautiful, beautiful books and teachings online and, and programs. And so again, Dr. Fred Luskin, um, and, uh, Desmond Tutu. So we'll, what I'll offer you tonight is a version of Desmond Tutu's four step process for forgiving. And then if we have time, I'll lead us in a meditation that was developed by Donald Rothberg and now is offered at most of the Western Vipassana centers, a forgiveness phrase practice. So the four step process from, from both the tutus, Desmond and his daughter Mufo, is to tell the story, name the hurt, grant forgiveness, and then renew or release the relationship. And I'll explain those. So step one is to tell the story. It's important to make sure the story is told and not just take care of it in the confines of your heart all by yourself. But it's also important, and this is something that Jack Kornfield emphasizes, to notice when we're making the story, we, we're telling the story over and over and over again in our own minds and out to others and so forth. And the story becomes, um, contributes to our sense of self. This is a really common pitfall. I've fallen in there myself. It's the, the, when we're when we tell the story and then that becomes part of our identity then we're a little stuck it's important to tell the story so we're not carrying it alone it's also really important to move on from it or to ultimately to transform it or tell it in a different way from the point of view of having gotten to the other side of it Um, and the Buddha taught about the middle way, that the way to freedom is walking through, down the center of the path. If we go too far to the right, we fall into a ditch. Too far to the right, not telling the story at all. But if we go too far to the left, we also fall in a ditch. Telling the story too much. Finding that middle way with our stories of our pain, they need to be shared. Yeah. And they can evolve from a story where we're, you know, a victim to one where we endured hardship and came out grounded and loving. Lots of people do that. Lots of people, you know, they may not be talking about what their stories of hardship were, but it's a beautiful club to belong to. I've been through hell 
And guess what? I came out strong and loving. I'm one of those people. That's the story now. We are one of those people. And there's lots of us. Fred Luskin again. Creating a blame philosophy and then reacting to it does not serve us. Fight or flight acts up in the present in response to thoughts about people who hurt us in the past. I'm gonna say that again, because that's really important. Fight or flight acts up in the present in response to thoughts about people who hurt us in the past. So in that moment, our thoughts are hurting us, not the other person. Does that make sense? This person caused harm, no question about it. And when, when we spend a lot of time in that story in our minds, we're activating our nervous systems. And otherwise the moment might be quite neutral. The external moment might, we might be physically safe. It might be quiet. Could be the middle of the night, simple, dark. And the mind is churning out this yucky story and the nervous system reacts and it doesn't feel good. It feels terrible, in fact. Fight and flight, the cortisol and the adrenaline does not feel good. So all of our practices that bring us back into the present moment, that teach us to unhook from thoughts and that bring us into connection, really help with that. So that's step one. Step two, name the feelings. Naming feelings is a, is a really fantastic mindfulness practice on its own. When we can just be aware that we're having an emotion and find a name for it, even if it's something as simple as contracted or expanded, or it could be difficult emotion, pleasant emotion, or we can find specific names, sad, contented, you know, anxious, easeful. Finding names for emotions is a great mindfulness practice on its own, and it's essential when we are moving towards forgiveness. And these two first, these first two steps of telling the story and naming the emotions um, are Fred Luskin's preconditions for forgiveness. He says, know what your feelings are about what happened. Be clear about the action that wronged you and share your experience with at least one or two trusted people. So feel the feelings. Yeah, if you haven't already, that's an important part of it. Denial isn't part of forgiveness. That brings us to the two, two step three, granting forgiveness, it's a deliberate choice. We choose forgiveness again, rather than resentment or retaliation. And some of the processes that can help us get to that point where we're willing to make that choice. One is what's called common humanity, really helpful to remember that we're not alone with whatever we're carrying. No matter how 
unique it feels, it isn't unique. Whatever it is that each of us is carrying, others have had that same experience. And just breathing in connection with all the others who also have had this experience or something similar. And beginning to make peace with the truth of the, you know, the 10,000 sorrows of life. And that we're not alone. When the human mind thinks that we're alone, becomes more frightened. The sense of isolation is really, uh, really threatening to the limbic system. We're herd animals and we evolved to survive in herds. And when we think we've been left behind in the forest, even metaphorically, it makes it really hard to, to do anything other than freeze or run. So just reminding the mind with whatever it is you're carrying that you're not alone with it, really, really helpful. And then beginning to uncover the impersonal nature of the hurt, we tend to over-personalize things that happen to us. And beginning to realize that it really wasn't about us in particular, it's a series of causes and conditions. Realizing how common each painful experience is. And also most offenses are committed without the intention of hurting anyone personally. Not all, but most. If you look and see, you know, there's like, usually it's the, the other person lost in some kind of greed, hatred, or delusion, and we crossed paths. So beginning to release any exaggerated sense of taking something personally. Cultivating gratitude also really helps. It kind of widens the space in which it becomes more possible to forgive. Looking for the good, settling into the present moment, appreciating, noticing beauty, all those things, they seem tangential, but they aren't. They make um, the field of awareness wider and more uh, resourced. We're more resilient when we're tuning in with gratitude to our lives. Gratitude, uh, because of our negativity bias, we tend to kind of burrow in on what hasn't worked or what doesn't work. Gratitude actually kind of reframes and gives us a clearer picture of our lives, a more authentic picture than when we're lost in the stories of the distress. So practicing gratitude helps too. And then from this place of having worked with common humanity and um, 
impersonality and gratitude, we may choose to try this strategy of forgiveness. I forgive you. Not necessarily saying it to the person's face. This, again, this is an internal process. And then just see how it lands. If it's feeling scary, make sure you remind yourself that your boundaries are still there. And then that leads us to the fourth and final step to choose to renew or release the relationship. Either way, forgiveness can still be there. So depending on what makes sense to you in the situation. And renewing a relationship isn't going back to how it was before. It's really a new relationship based on everything you've been through. It's like the bowl was whole and then it fell and it broke. And if you're choosing to renew the relationship, we're putting the bowl back together, but it's got these cracks in it now. And we're choosing to go on with this cracked bowl and enjoy it in a new way, a different way. It's like a sapling growing out of a tree stump where we may choose you know, to forgive from a distance and not renew the relationship. And again, this process is for ourselves. So once we've gone through this process, just noticing how we feel and that hopefully there's more and more deepening of peace, which is what forgiveness is. Okay, so I'm gonna take us through uh, some forgiveness phrases. So these come from Spirit Rock Meditation Center and they were written by Donald Rothberg based on some forgiveness phrases that were offered, I think in the 70s by Stephen Levine. These may be familiar to you. So, just sitting comfortably again. And as we're working with these tonight, we're going to be working with um, someone who's harmed us, ways that we may have harmed others, ways we've harmed ourselves and with life. As we're working with these, um, if you notice that you've chosen a being that's, you know, bringing you off into stories, try to choose something, one situation that's, um, one particular situation that's not the heaviest lifting for you. This is a practice thinking of it like going to the gym and picking up the lighter weights. Okay. So if you like, you can close your eyes. Feel your body here in the present moment. Notice breath.
And bringing to mind a situation in which you may have caused harm to someone else. Allowing these phrases either to flow through or you can silently repeat them. In any way that I have harmed you, knowingly or unknowingly, by thought, word, or action, I ask forgiveness as much as is possible in this moment. Now bringing to mind someone who may have harmed you. In any way that I have been harmed by you. Knowingly or unknowingly. by thought, word, or action. I offer forgiveness as much as is possible in this moment. Now sensing yourself here in the lived present moment, feeling your body. Offering these phrases inward toward yourself. In any way that I have harmed myself, knowingly or unknowingly, by thought, word, or action, I offer myself forgiveness as much as is possible in this moment. And finally, 
phrases for life. It's pain and unpredictability. And remembering forgiveness ultimately leads to peace. In any way that I have been unable to be with and respond skillfully to the pain and suffering of our world, my own pain and that of others, may I come to accept pain, suffering, confusion, and ignorance to be part of the journey. my own journey and the journey of others. I offer forgiveness for the way things are and have been as much as is possible in this moment. Just letting go of the practice and taking some moments here. Letting yourself be just as you are and letting your experience be whatever it is. just a few minutes here if anybody has any comments or questions or things you noticed about that practice or anything else. Oh, I think I just saw a hand. Oh, John. So, um, yeah, forgiveness. Of, I've had some, you know, lots of opportunities for forgiveness, having a murdered family member and so forth. But um, six years ago, I was betrayed by someone at work. And, you know, I had dealt with back in my 20s of murder and forgiveness and stuff like that. And I was just amazed at myself that this betrayal was still like, it took me a long time to, to come to terms with that. Mm-hmm. And after a meditation retreat or in a meditation retreat, at one point I said, well, this person was a parent. And I said, oh, 
I can just hope that he has a few minutes of happiness with his child, a nice interaction with his child. It was just like, and it was just that one little thing that just cracked it open. It was, you know, I didn't have to, you know, wish him a wonderful life or anything like that. I just wish him a little moment of happiness. <laughs> and somehow it released a lot. Just <laughs> all I can begrudgingly <laughs> just dump <laughs> a little teeny bit. <laughs> That's so great. It, it was very weird. It's but wonderful. you know, just that little oh, I can just give him a little bit of Yeah, <laughs> but it was that portal. It was the it was the window. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's weird like that. That's great. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. And also it points to um, which I didn't touch on in the talk, but it points to the relationship between loving kindness and forgiveness. Mm. Because, um, you know, you were just wishing that he could have some uh, some good moments with his kid. And that is a loving kindness wish. That's a friendliness wish, you know. And it is very, it's sort of hologram-like with forgiveness. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thanks, John, for sharing that. Anyone else? Okay. Oh, there's something in the chat. And somebody said, it brought up for me situations I hadn't thought of for a long time. I wonder if dredging up these past instances is actually beneficial. Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I think, um, I think it can be beneficial if there's an intention to, um, not even intention, if there's sort of the support and the desire to um, bring them into a different place. But if we bring them up and then they um, are dysregulating again, then it is often, it can often be more skillful to set them aside until we feel until or unless we feel ready to um address them yeah it's really with very painful uh you know issues from our histories it's really important to tread lightly and sometimes just leave them alone sometimes it might be wise to titrate go and touch in and then and then go out to something else again like a loving kindness practice a self-compassion practice like i was mentioning before even just soothing touch hands to heart can be really really calming to the system so very often that's the wiser choice yeah thanks for that question Okay, I'm going to just grab my guitar and sing us a dedication of merit. So maybe most of you know, but for those who may not, it's a tradition in Buddhist circles to close with uh, offering any good energy that we've generated to be for the benefit of all. That's what this song is about.
May every living be our minds as one and radiant with light. Share the fruits of peace with hearts of goodness, luminous and bright. If people hear and see how hands and hearts can find in giving unity. May our minds awake to great compassion, wisdom, and to joy. May kindness find reward. May all who sorrow leave our grief and May this boundless light meet the darkness of our sacred night. Because our hearts are one, this world of pain turns into paradise. May all become compassionate and wise. Become compassionate and wise. All right. Thank you. Good night. Have a good week. Thank you, Eve. Blessings, Eve. Thank you. Blessings. Beautiful. Thank good you. Night. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Eve. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.